Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. First Samuel chapter 16. I am so excited this morning to start a brand new series, a brand new collection of talks that I've been thinking about, I've been praying about, I've been uh, just allowing to roll around in my heart uh, for probably more, more than six months now. For, for time's sake, we're not going to read the passage, um, although we'll, we will read it in weeks to come. But there's a passage in Mark chapter 11 where Jesus has kind of an odd encounter with a tree. I know it's kind of an odd place to start. It's a story about a tree. But Jesus has this, this encounter with a fig tree. And, and the story goes something like this. Jesus, he is hungry and he sees a fig tree. And going to that fig tree to find something to eat, he finds nothing but leaves. That's where the title of this series comes from, More Than Leaves. The Bible says he finds nothing but leaves, which maybe isn't a big deal to you. Um, And I didn't really think about it until I did a little research and study, but fig trees, they always produce fruit before they produce leaves. So if you ever see a fig tree that's in full blossom and it's covered in leaves, it is an indication there's fruit there. Jesus, however, finds this fig tree, and, and the, the story goes like this. It is nothing but leaves, and Jesus curses that fig tree and says, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. Kind of an odd story, but it, it, it paints a picture of us, one, of the, the religious system of the day. This religious system that was built on religious activity, that was built on appearance, that was built on doing this and doing that, yet it did not offer the life or the fruitfulness of relationship with God that God really desired. And therefore we have the gospel, the good news that God sent his son Jesus to come and do what we could not do for ourselves and bring us back into right relationship with him. However, this this story that we'll, we'll read in weeks to come the story also paints a picture for us of God's desire for our, for our lives. It was about six months ago and I was reading just in my daily reading and that phrase, nothing but leaves, nothing but leaves. And it, it jumped out at me like out of nowhere. And it just, it just wouldn't leave me alone. And little by little, the more I thought, the more I prayed, the more I, the, the, the Lord was, was speaking to me, Brandon, I desire for your life for the life of my people to be more than, than leaves. I mean, let's be honest. We live in a culture, we live in a society where we put a premium, do we not, on, on what the outside looks like. Come on, we spend time, energy, money, we stress out about the outside wanting to make sure that everything looks the way it should look and everything is the way that it should be so that people from the outside get whatever opinion that we would like them to have. We, we do the same thing in relationship with God. We often give more time, energy, and attention to making sure the outside looks right, but we forget that, well, what God is really concerned about and what God really cares about is God is looking at the, at the inside. God wants for our life to be more than leaves. No, he wants for our life to be genuine, authentic, a thriving life that is fruitful, that is fulfilling everything that he has for our life. P.S., I'll say this, a prerequisite for this sermon, this is not in my notes, but I'll just say this in case you don't know this, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. 
And I don't just mean like generically. No, God has a specific purpose and plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter one, verse four, God says, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, I set you apart, and I put something on your life. Psalm 139, God says that before you were conceived in your mother's womb, that every day of your life, the purpose and plan that God had was already written in his book. There is greatness, there is destiny on the inside of you, and a little blues clues to fulfillment, the thing we're all looking for, is that fulfillment comes when we fulfill what God has purposed and planned for our life. God desires for your life to be more than leaves. God desires for your life to be more than just a, a facade or a covering that looks good. No, God desires for you to be and do all that he's called and created you to do. And today as we start the series, I wanna talk about, I wanna look at uh, this, this whole idea of the inside the inside really, really mattering more than anything. And I ask you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, in fact, I'm going to open up and read it from my Bible. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, starting in, in verse number 1. And uh, we're, we're picking up kind of at a juncture in the, the rulership of Israel. I'll give you a little history lesson real quick. Israel, for, for a long time, did not have a king. They had a God. They did not have a king. They had, a, they had a God, let that sink in for a second. And they followed and they were governed by, by God and by his, his servants, the prophets. However, Israel, not too dissimilar from you and I, Israel started looking around and going, I don't know, man, like this is cool, but all the other nations around us, they have a king. We wanna, we wanna be like them, we want a king. And so, so God, he, he, he gives them their request and he gives them a, a king. And the first king of Israel is, is birthed, if you will, it is King Saul. King Saul, however, um, struggles with, struggled with what a lot of us struggle with, and that is wanting to make sure that things look good on the outside primarily. And so Saul missed it. We'll talk about this later in the sermon, but Saul, he, he transgressed the ways of God he uh, broke God's, God's commandment, and then he tried to cover it up so that no one would, would know the difference. And for that very purpose, the Bible says that God, he, he rejected Saul from being king. Now, he, he didn't kick him out right away. So Saul, we're, we're about to read, he's still king. He's still in office, if, if you will. He has the title, he has the position, he has the authority, but no longer is God's hand on him. P.S., just, just, just a little, little free, free information. I'd rather God's hand be on me than get the title or the position or the authority that I'm looking for. I'd rather have God's hand on me than take the promotion that's gonna compromise my character. I'd rather have God's hand on me than do whatever I have to do to get ahead in, in a world system that is not all that it, it's cracked up to be. So Saul's still king, but God's hand isn't on him. And this is where we pick up in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Uh, it says this, now the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel is, is, is the prophet of the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? How long will you grieve the fact that the king that governs my people has rejected me and therefore I've rejected him? How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing that I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. 
And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. But the Lord said, no, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, sanctify yourselves and come to me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Pause real quick. So God says to Samuel, I've, I've already provided for myself the new king. You don't know who he is, but I know who he is. So I want you to go down to Jesse the Bethlehemite and out of his sons, I will show you who is going to be king. So, so Samuel orchestrates this this event, if you will. And Jesse comes and all of his sons, and this is where we pick up in verse six. So it was when they came, Jesse and all of his sons, that he looked at Elab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Samuel looks at the firstborn and he goes, whoa, his shoulders are broad. He's got a good head of hair. The man's got a good, 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 good skin color. Like he, he looks well. He has a voice, like a radio voice that you can listen to all day long. That's my king right there. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But listen to verse seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Skipping over verse 11. So not finding the one he was looking for, the one that the Lord had chosen in any of Jesse's sons, Samuel goes, verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are, are, are all the young men here? And then he said, well, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for he will not sit down till he comes. Verse 12, so he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and he was good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of the sermon I want to preach today is simply this, Where God is Looking. Where God is Looking. One more time, can we pray and ask that God would take these moments we share and that he would speak to us in a real way, a way beyond our ability to hear, but, but the Holy Spirit would speak to us deep, calling and deep. Can we do that? God, I thank you today for the Bible. I thank you that you have given us your word not just to teach us how to live, but to reveal to us who you are. And so I pray today that both would happen. That as we, as we study the scripture, that today you'd reveal to us in a new way who you are and you would teach us how to live. You would teach us your ways. God, I know that I am, uh, I am a feeble man and not the greatest communicator. And so take God the words that I'm about to speak and would you minister them? God, would you speak to every single person right where they need to hear? Would you open eyes today, ears today, hearts today to receive from you, not for anyone's glory, but for your own, that we would leave here today 
following you with more diligence and pursuing you with all of our heart in Jesus name. Everybody said amen and amen. Um, So my wife and I, we just got back from vacation. Anybody, do you love vacations? If you don't have your hand up, like who doesn't love a good vacation? All the parents are like, us because we have to bring our kids with us. That's why we don't, we don't love the vacation. It's a trip, not a vacation. We just got back from vacation and every single year we go to the exact same place. Uh, my wife's family for over 50 years has been going to Daytona Beach, Florida. I don't know how it started, uh, but her grandparents have gone every year and then her parents went every year. So my wife grew, uh, grew up going every single year without fail. She's never missed one to Daytona Beach, Florida. And so I, I married into it. It's like a family tradition now. And um, my, my brother-in-law has already just made the declaration. I'm not carrying this on. I got other places I want to go and other things I want to do. And so pray for me because I feel an immense amount of pressure to carry on a 50-year-old tradition that I'm not positive yet I want to carry on. Um, that being said, I've gone every year since we've got married. And uh, last year I noticed something I've never noticed before. I noticed just as we were driving five different surf shops. Well, that's kind of weird. I, like, I'm from Southern California. It makes sense to me, like surfing there, but I've never, I don't really, I've never seen anybody surf. I don't think, maybe I just haven't been paying attention. And so I, I stopped in, one, I needed sunglasses, but the other one I stopped in and I said, hey, can I ask you a question? I came in for this specific reason. I have seen five different surf shops in a very like close proximity. Why? And the guy looked at me kind of odd. He's like, because this is like one of the number one surf spots in Florida, duh. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. And so I left that shop and I said, that's it. Next year when I come back, I'm going to take a surfing lesson and I'm going to become Johnny Tsunami. Shout out to the Disney Channel via 1990s. So, so I did. This past week, I, t- I took a surfing lesson. And am I telling you this just so I can brag about my surfing skills? Probably, but there is a point to it. But But I was so pumped because I thought this is gonna be a disaster. I've never gone surfing before. I don't know if I can even stand up. And I kid you not, no word of a lie. God was there, ask him, he can attest to it. I caught like 20 to 25 waves. I don't just mean I stood up, I mean like I rode the waves. I am Johnny Tsunami. Like I am, I was shredding these waves. I think that's like a a term. I was shredding the waves. and so I was, I was like really like pumped, like, well, I didn't even know. I'm kind of old to be a prodigy, but I guess I'm a surfing prodigy. Like who knew that I was amazing? And so I said, hey, I want to keep this rental one more day because I'm going to go tomorrow and shred the waves again. So I went, I went the next day by myself and um, I did not catch 25 waves. I caught zero waves and I'm pretty sure I broke a rib and a toe in the process. It was, it was bad. And, and as I was sitting out there in the water, in to be honest, like I'm, I need to grow up a little bit, in way too much frustration that I'm not catching waves. Um, so you should be spending time with your family and you're out in the water frustrated that you're not Johnny Tsunami. Like, what is wrong with you? Pray for me. But as, as I was sitting first, I'm like, what's the, what's the difference? And I'll tell you what the difference was. The first day, had this guy, Jesse. He's a legend, apparently. It's what everyone told me at the surf shop. Oh, Jesse's a legend. And... Um, and he, he'd have me lay on the board. He's like, hey, we just got to get the mechanics first. So he'd have me perfectly like lay down. He would, he's probably chest deep. He'd position the board and then he'd let go. And he would say this, he would say, paddle, 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 one, two, stand. And without fail, every single time I was shredding those waves. Like you, it, it was amazing. 
But the difference was that when I was by myself, I did not have anybody helping me to know what the right waves were, when I should let one pass, when I should take it, when the right time was. And, and, and I was sitting there and I know it's like, you're a pastor, we get it, God's always speaking to you at random places. But I kid you, I'm sitting there and, and, and I feel like the Holy Spirit remind me, your potential is never the issue. You do know that, right? Your potential is never the issue. It's already been settled. It's already been decided. We can go. We can find 10 different scriptures to, to validate it. You have potential to be great. You have potential to be everything that God created and intended for you to be. You have the potential to fully fulfill the purpose and plan that God has. We have all the potential in the world. I proved to myself I have the potential to stand on a surfboard. What I did not have, though, is I did not have a coach. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, that there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. That there's a way that legitimately seems right in all of your estimation, and yet because it is your own way in your own estimation, it lands in a less than desirable place. Can I tell you what the difference from me day one to day two surfing is? I did not have anybody coaching me. Did you know that God actually desires to coach your life? That God actually desires to be a coach, a counselor, a comforter, because you and I, we do not have the ability to, to read the rhythms of life. We do not have the ability in our own ability to know the right time and what to do. No, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in every way, in every season. Now, I tell you all that because we, we go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I would just like to propose to you this morning that you and I, we are not too dissimilar than David. See, because David had a significant purpose and plan for his life, and so do you and I. God has something for you that maybe even if you, if you feel like you know what it is, can I tell you God has even more for you? That's the thing with God. There's always more with God, is there not? And it doesn't matter what season of life you're in, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. It doesn't matter what season of life you happen to be in right here, right now. There's something God has. God has more for you. God has more for you as a husband. God has more for you as a father, as a wife, as a mother. God has more for you as a God always has more. But like David, what we need is God's hand upon our life. Like David, what we need is we need God to orchestrate and to, in his time and in his season, help us to, metaphorically speaking, catch the wave that is, that is destiny. I, I read 1 Samuel chapter 16, and, and what becomes just apparent to me, number one, if you're taking notes, is that God is always looking. God is always looking. 1 Samuel chapter 16, Saul is no longer king. I mean, he is, but he's not. He's still in the office, he sells the title, sells the position, but he doesn't have God's hand on his life anymore. And the Bible says that Samuel is in mourning. It's possible Samuel's in mourning be, because of the pain of watching God's commander in chief, if you will, reject God and therefore be rejected by God. But, but Samuel's probably also mourning because what does the future of Israel hold? But, but can, can I tell you that what Samuel could not see, God already had his eyes on. Samuel could not see the, the David in the field, but God could see him. 
It doesn't matter if if anybody else sees or knows where you are right now. Can I just tell you today that God sees and God knows. But put yourself in David's shoes for a second. Jesse has all of his sons come except for except for one. Jesse didn't even invite David. What Samuel could not see, what Jesse could not see, God could see, and that is a king amongst the sheep. I, I would like for you this morning maybe to consider or to allow to sink in that God currently has his eyes fixed on you. The Bible says this in Proverbs 5.21, for the, for the ways, Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. For all of your ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all of his paths. Allow that to, to sink in maybe just momentarily that all of your ways are before the Lord. Why is it that you and I, we often think, or maybe we just trick ourselves into thinking that God's only looking when other people are looking. God only sees when everybody else sees. God's only aware when other people are aware, but the Bible says, no, no, no. God's eyes, they're always watching. That the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all of their paths. Can't, will you go back to that first scripture for me? Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Everywhere you go, there is no escaping. The eyes of the Lord are in that place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Have you ever read a scripture before and been discouraged slash terrified by it? This was me reading these scriptures when I was 16. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like God's always watching? You mean God sees, sees everything? Because as a 16-year-old, my inclination was to go, ooh, like, so, so God's always looking and he's, he's kind of like a critic. God's always watching to make sure that I'm, but can I tell you that our God, he is not a critic. The Bible says that Jesus, he did not come to, to judge. He did not come to criticize. No, he came to bring salvation. And God, he is not the critic of your life. God is the greatest fan of your life. God is cheering you on. The Bible says in Hebrews, there is a great cloud of witnesses that is in the heavens cheering you on to your destiny. God is not a critic. God is a coach. God is a counselor. God is a comforter. And God's eyes, they are fixed upon you. And can I tell you this morning, what God is not looking at is the outside. I love 1 Samuel 16 because it reminds me that what I think matters actually doesn't matter as much as I think it does to, to God at least. First Samuel 16, six, Elab comes in and Samuel goes, that's, that's the one right there. That, that, that's the guy, look at him. God goes, nope. You, you're looking at his stature. You're looking at his, his physical attributes. You're looking at all the things that people can see, but, but God makes a declaration in 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to, said to Samuel, do not look at, let me just say it this way for you and I today. Stop focusing on the physical, the outside, whatever, stop putting filters on your life because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees. 
For man looks at the outward appearance, but God, he looks at the heart. Can you write this down today? My second thought is that God, his eyes are always watching, but what God is looking at, what matters to God, what God cares about is God cares about the the heart. God is looking at your heart. God's not looking at your performance. God's not looking at your behavior. God's not looking at whether or not you have it all together in front of people. God is looking at your heart. You might say, why, Brandon? Why is God so concerned about the heart? I'll tell you why, because God, he understands that your heart tells the real story. Your heart tells the, tells the real story. The Bible says this, Proverbs 27, 19, as in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Now, let me make a little bit of a differentiation. Differentiation? Something like that. Let me, let me just make a little bit of a whatever that word is. Your identity is already settled. So, so your heart doesn't necessarily tell you who you are in a sense that the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you, you became the righteousness of God. The moment you gave your life to Jesus, you became a son or a daughter of the most high God in whom God is well pleased. God is, the Bible says in, in Romans chapter five, that God, that he is, he is not dissatisfied or displeased. No, you're at peace with God. That forever you have been declared right with God. You are his son or his daughter in whom he is well pleased and you are at peace with God. So I don't mean to say that your heart tells the real story as in, as in your identity, no, but your heart does give an indication of where you are, does it not? That's why Proverbs 5, those two verses we read, that, that God, he's, he's looking at all of our ways and he's pondering our path. He's pondering our motivation. Why God is looking at the, at the heart and God is looking at the heart because the heart is what tells the real story. We just read it, but Proverbs 27, that just like as in, as in water, face reflects face, like the thing that every single one of us did this morning before we walked out of the house, you know what it is. You've probably already done it three times in a number of objects that have reflection to them. We looked at our, at our reflection, just like you looked in the mirror this morning and it told you the truth, whether you like it or not, like it, leave it, love it. The mirror tells you the truth as in water face reflects face, so it is your heart that reveals what's really going on. Do you know that we can build a facade, that we, we, we can build a projection of who we, we wished we were, who we think people want us to be, who we think God wants us to be, but at the end of the day, the real story is told. What's going on in here? And God, what he is concerned with is he's concerned with the heart. Brandon, why is the heart such a big deal to God? The heart matters to God because God desires life for you and I. God, God, God desires life. The, the, the issues of the heart, things like, like bitterness, things like envy, things like lust, things like pride and greed, all the things that we think about or talk about, all those toxins in the heart, they're like poison that kills us from the inside out. Like poison that destroys relationships and opportunity from the inside out. And the reason God cares and is concerned about the heart is because God desires life for you. God desires fulfillment for you. 
God desires that your life, it is more than leaves. That fig tree we talked about at the very beginning of the sermon, that tree that it had all the, the trappings, all the appearance, but, but it had no fruitfulness. God desires your life to not just be a facade, something that looks, no, God wants you to be fruitful and fulfilled and satisfied from the inside out. And can I tell you that God, he's, he's looking at the heart, but you can write this down, my, my last thought today, that what he's looking for though, is not perfection, he's looking for humility. That God is not looking for perfection. God is looking for, for humility. I, um, I, I grew up in church my whole life. And that is a blessing, absolutely. But one of the things that I've noticed that the enemy has used over and over and over and over again in my life, because I've just been exposed to so much scripture and so much teaching and so much Bible stuff, good or bad, that, that my knowledge of scripture is often what he uses to, to put me in a prison of, of discouragement. One of the things that always, always kept me discouraged was this, this idea or this, this reality that King David, King David, that he was given the title, a man after God's own heart. You ever heard that before? It comes from Acts 13, 22 the author uh, or, or, or the writer of Acts using 1 Samuel 15 and 16 and a number of other scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit, obviously, but he, he makes a case that David, he was a man after God's own heart. And, and if I'm just being honest, that always discouraged me because how many of you know the only other person besides from God that knows you is you in a real way? And I know me. I, I would hear hear stories about David and people would preach on David. David, the man after God's own heart. I even had someone one time like, Brandon, I want to give you a word. You're, you're, you're going to be a man like David after God's own heart. And while it should have been encouraging, it was discouraging because my, my sentiment was always, I can't live up to that because even if I can hold it all together and even if I can create the perfect, the perfect facade on the outside so everybody thinks that I am the man of God that I'm supposed to be, I know me. And I, I know the motivation I have. I know some of the thoughts I think. Like anybody else, are you just thankful that not everybody is privy to the thoughts you think? That not everybody's privy to the things that you mutter under your breath? That not every driver on the road gets to hear your feelings about them while you drive next to them? That your boss doesn't hear everything that crosses your, your mind? Come on, that's, that's called being a human. And I was like, how, how, does that even, how does that even work? Because Jesus is the only one who's perfect. That's why he was our perfect sacrifice. That's why he could do what he did because he had no sin. Because he was the sinless one, the spotless lamb of God. Only Jesus is perfect. So how, how, could, how could David be a man after God's own? own heart. The other thing that always bothered me was King Saul. Because we, start, we started kind of this, this, this passage of scripture by looking at King Saul and him being rejected as king over Israel. It doesn't make sense, God. Because David had just as many faults and failures as Saul did. 
Like in case you don't know some of David's history, let me just give you maybe the big one that everyone talks about. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And, and David didn't get caught up in the moment. No, both times he abused his power and intentionally dishonored and disobeyed God, his calling, his purpose, and the people that were around him. David with intentionality, not in a moment of love, in a moment of lust, said, her, bring her to me now. And David gets Bathsheba pregnant. And then in a, in a moment of panic, he goes, okay, okay, bring, bring her husband home from battle and let's kill him. And he places him in a strategic place in the battle so that he, he dies. David was a murderer and an adulterer and, and Saul got rejected as being king. And the Bible tells that David was giving an, given an enduring kingdom. How does that work? Like someone please do the math on that one and help me to understand how does that make any sense? That Jesus comes from the lineage of David. Therefore, our King, our King Jesus, who is reigning and will forever reign without end. He's part of David's lineage. David was giving an enduring kingdom. I'll, I'll tell you how it adds up. One word, humility. Adam and Eve in the garden, they sin. Their sin exposes them. So what do they do? They, they, they run and they find fig leaves. Interesting that Jesus would use a fig tree to paint this picture for us. They go and they find fig leaves and they make themselves the dopest back to school outfit you've ever seen. And they're looking, they're looking good. But they're covering up what sin caused to be shameful and exposed and a point of guilt and condemnation. And Saul did the same thing. I, I wonder, and I, I know this is maybe messing with, with, with scripture, but I just wonder sometimes, could it have been different if Saul's response was different? Because Samuel comes and Sa Samuel says, what's, what's this I hear? The bleeding of the sheep? Samuel had, had, had called Saul out on a city. What, what, what's this I see? You're, and instead of repenting what Saul did, you can look it up, 1 Samuel 15, 30, Saul goes, okay, okay, okay. I missed it, I get it, I messed up. But can we just cover this up though? Here, here's what we can do. Samuel, if you just like, just pretend like everything's cool, we'll just stand here, like let's do a knuckle bump, let's handshake, high five, like, let's make it, make people think it's all good and then come back with me, we'll sacrifice together and we'll just work this thing out on the backside. Saul did what Adam and Eve did. He tried to cover it up. Okay, maybe if I could just make it look good on the outside, somehow it'll be okay on the inside. Have you ever felt like that? Have, have you ever been in that kind of a season before where you think, okay, if I can just somehow pull it together, if I can throw money at it, if I can throw time at it, if I can, if I can just fix this thing on the outside, maybe it'll heal what's so broken on the inside. If I can create a good enough covering of fig leaves so everyone thinks I got it together, maybe it'll heal this broken part of me that's on the inside. David's response was not so. Can, can I read you a couple more scriptures? I apologize, worship team. Andrew asked me before service, he said, hey, when should we come up? Because we came up when you told us and then we were standing there forever. I apologize. 
He was like, why do you have so many scripture if you want us to come up? Because the keys make it sound good. That's why. Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 51, let, let me read to you as we close David's response. Saul tried to sew fig leaves together. God said, this is, this is not, this is not what I'm looking for. David, however, he gets caught. God, God sends a man named Nathan and Nathan, Nathan exposes his sin. Listen to David's response. Against you, God, only you have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. It's in the hidden part you'll make me to know wisdom. So God, would you purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me hear again the joy and gladness that the bones you've broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 16, he says, you do not desire. You do not desire sacrifice. I would give it. I'd be the first one down at the altar, God. I would do whatever. I would do any sacrifice you wanted. That's not what you want. You don't delight in burnt offerings. No, the sacrifices of God, they're a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, oh God, you will not despise. Isaiah says this, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contract and a humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contract ones. For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord, but on this one will I look. On this one will I look. On him who is spirit and who trembles at my word. Do you know what Psalm 51 really is about? It's David's cry for a savior. See, the whole Bible, if you didn't know, it points us to, to the person of Jesus. Psalm 51 is David's cry for a savior. God, don't turn your face from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Hide your face from my sin because I'm guilty and I'm ashamed. My sin's against you, God. So revive me, restore me. He says, give me clean hands and renew within me a steadfast. He's crying for a savior. See, we got the one up on David because we have a savior. We have a, we have a savior and his name is Jesus. And the starting place it doesn't matter. You've been serving God for a minute or for 30 years. The starting place to a life that is more than leaves. The starting place to a life that is more than just facade and covering. That is, as Jesus said, rivers of living water flowing out of you. It's humility.
It's us coming back and saying, Jesus, I need you. I, all the things that I use to project, I lay them down. I don't know what that is for you. I, I can maybe imagine some that I, I lay down my, my need for, for money. I lay down my need for achievement accolade. I lay down my need for people to think, approve. All the things, God, that I've been using to try to heal what's broken on the inside, I lay them down. And like David did, I come and I say, Jesus, what David didn't have, I have. And that's you. I, I promise, I promise I'm done. Why do we think that the more honest and vulnerable we are, sometimes that displeases God? I mean, I can't like really come to God with, no, listen to what God said. He said it's the broken, the humble, the contrite heart. These I will not look away from. These I will not despise. In fact, it is these that I will revive and I will put my hand on and I will dwell with. How do we get more of the presence of God in our life? How do we have more of God's hand placed upon us? How, how do we feel revival where we need revival? We come with humility to Jesus. Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Only you can do for me what I need. I cannot do it. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.